Hey. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all of God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? I pray that you all had a wonderful week and that you're all wonderful in Jesus' name. Even though we had to turn the clocks ahead today, right? We had to turn the clocks ahead And surprisingly, I was on the phone with a girlfriend of mine last night, and I was telling her, (laughs) you see, our mind can play tricks on us when we want it to. We can talk ourselves into being, doing, having whatever it is. And that's how the Lord always told us that 
life and death is in the power of your tongue. Because as I was speaking to her last night and I was telling her I was getting my show together, as I was writing the show, I always put like little stuff in there just to remind me and keep me on track. But as I was writing the show, I was actually writing into the show how I was going to be tired this morning. And she said, oh, no, you're not. How are you going to write? I said, that's what got me. It boggled me because just thinking of the fact that the clocks were going ahead today, I was already in my mind. Now, this was yesterday afternoon. Already, I'm going to be tired tomorrow morning. We hadn't even gotten to sundown yet. And I'm writing, I'm going to be tired tomorrow morning. But after we chuckled about it on the phone, it then just made me realize, you know what, you're right. How are you talking yourself into being tired in the morning? And of course, I woke up this morning and I wasn't tired. I was refreshed, just like she said. She's like, no, you're not. You're going to wake up refreshed. You're going to wake up bright. You're going to wake up excited. And that's exactly how I woke up this morning. But the fact that you can talk yourself into feeling, being, doing, it's, it's a positive thing. So I just want to remind everybody that if you don't have time to sit in front of your computer and listen to Radio Free Brooklyn, you can download our free mobile app for iPhone and Android. It's available in the App Store for iPhone and the Google Play Store for Android. And that's where you could listen to Radio Free Brooklyn on the go. And if you've missed any of my shows, which I don't know why you would, but just in case you do, you can find my shows on my archive page at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. It's going to be on the page, What Would Kay Say? And you could go to the bottom. My archives are there. Or you could catch me on Spotify. Or you could catch me on Apple. Or you could catch me on all other podcast platforms. So, let's see. Oh, we are four weeks away from Easter Sunday. Right? The day that represents how much God so love the world. But can I tell you something? Before God so loved the world, he so loved Israel. He loved the Israelites so much that he continually reached out to them for their obedience by offering them his affection and love. And we're going to look to one of the minor prophets the prophet Hosea or Hosiah and see just how much God loved the Israelites and how much pain he endured from them to show them his love. Now, just to give you a little background on the time when this was taking place, and our topic today is going to be Hosea, how God first loved the world. We're going to go back and into the background of when all this is taking place. Israel was split into two parts at this time, and it was because of the sins of King Solomon. Now, you all know who King Solomon was, right? Writer of the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. David's beloved son, 
the man who had all the wisdom in the world, right? So you would think with all the wisdom after you asked God, see, this is what I was talking about also. When you ask God for something and he gives it to you, make sure you do with it what you're supposed to do with it. Here it is. King Solomon asked God for wisdom because he wanted to know how to rule the kingdom. And because of his sins, the kingdom was split in two after he died. The northern kingdom, which was called Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. So now Hosea was the only prophet from the north. And he lived in the northern kingdom during the reign of Jeroboam II. I don't know why I know the names, but then when you go to pronounce them, it's like I I can't get them out of my mouth. Because when you look at them and you're like, what is this? What is this name? But then you know it when you hear it. He lived during the reign of Jeroboam II. Can I tell you about this kingdom? In the north, it was in this kingdom that oppression, injustice, promiscuity was running rampant. And of all the prophets and their words that they got from God, Hosea's words were the most autobiographical. And I say that because the words that God gave him to speak to Israel was actually playing out in his own life. So when he spoke of the pain that the Israelites were causing God, he was also speaking of his own pain that he was feeling at the time. So this book opens up with a powerful message from the Lord to Hosea. And this, and when, when, let me just tell you what, what it is. We're going to start with Hosea, first chapter, verses 2 through 9. When the Lord began to speak to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. It shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bore a daughter. Then God said to him, call her name Loruhamah, for I will no longer have mercy on the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. Yet I will have mercy on the house of Judah will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow, nor by sword or battle, by horses or horsemen, 
Now, when she had weaned Lo Ruhamah, she conceived and bore a son. Then God said, Call his name Lo Ami, for you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Wow. When God speaks, he speaks. And that's why sometimes I have a hard time understanding when people say, I don't believe that God is real. When he speaks, he doesn't mix his words. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here you are a prophet. A prophet of the Lord who's supposed to bring the word to the people. One who's supposed to carry the word to everyone so that they could understand what God is saying to them. And God tells you to take a prostitute for a wife. And not just take a prostitute for a wife, but she's going to give you children. And the names of your children, when I tell you what to name them, they're going to mean ending of a kingdom, having no mercy, and you are not my people. I would say that God was hurt. Wouldn't you? If you had to name your children, have no mercy, the ending of a kingdom, and you're not my people. So that every time Hosea said their names, this is what he was reminded of. Every time people heard their names, this is what they were reminded of. And no wonder he used the metaphor of a marriage. And that was, it was, when you read the book, it, it's quite telling why he used the metaphor of a marriage and Hosea's marriage to Gomer to show his pain towards Israel. Because if, if you've ever been married, and if you've ever had a spouse cheat on you, you know the pain and how that feels. It cuts through your heart like a dagger, right? So here you have Hosea having this woman repeatedly violate her marriage vows. And he had to repeatedly demonstrate to her how much he loved her. Repeatedly. Now, when you think of yourself as an individual, and when you think of yourself, just when one person hurts you, you're like, I'm done. I don't want to speak to them anymore. I don't want them to call me. I don't want to see them. I don't want to hear their name. Here it is. Hosea not only had to deal with her, chase after her, bring her back home. But the kids, he had to hear their names over and over and over and be reminded of what type of woman she was. Now, that's a big pill to swallow. But it was a testament of how God felt towards his chosen people. And God demonstrated through Hosea's marriage how he felt about Israel with all the sins that they have committed against him every day. His unconditional love for them, regardless of how many times they left him. Now, let me remind you, 
these people, when he said in the beginning, it was a time, it was in the Northern Kingdom, promiscuity was running rampant. And I use, I say promiscuity, and the, and the reason why God had Hosea pick Gomer, who was a prostitute, was because the people of Israel had started picking up the pagan beliefs of the other people that lived in the land. So that's when they started worshiping Baal. And Baal was, if you know some background of Baal, they were the ones who their um, religion had to do with fertility. So in order to give sacrifices to their gods or, you know, present like, you know, when God wanted you to sacrifice lambs, you know, unblemished animals to him with Baal, the sacrifice was always sexual. So they were actually going to the temples, sleeping with the priests, sleeping with prostitutes that were in the temple as sacrifices to this God of Baal. Okay, so that goes to show you just when he's talking about promiscuity, it was just crazy. People were going to the temple to have sex in the temple. And they were looking at that as being holy and, you know, devout. But it wasn't of God. They were doing it to other gods. They were worshiping the wooden idols that were carved by the other people that lived in that land. The Israelites started worshiping those wooden idols instead of believing in the God that had brought them out of Egypt, that had saved them so many times, they started turning away from the Lord, right? So here we have in verse, in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, God speaks to how Israel will return to God. Then the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who took to other gods and loved the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I brought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man so too will I be toward you. So let me just tell you, when God told Hosea to go and get her, go again and love her, we see how Hosea went out and he bought Gomer, he purchased Gomer back from herself. Because Here's another bit of understanding for you to get from when he purchased her. It says that he purchased her for 15 shekels. And back in the day, you sold yourself into slavery when you couldn't pay a debt that you owed. So in order, you know, in order for you to pay that debt, you would sell yourself into slavery and you would have to work it off that debt, but it couldn't go past seven years. But if somebody wanted to buy you out of your slavery, they would have to pay 30 shekels for you. 
So see, slavery back then wasn't like the slavery here where you were just, you know, you were forced to do the work and not be paid and no one could ever buy you out. They could just buy you to be a slave someplace else. So here we have Hosea purchasing Gomer for half her worth. He paid 15 shekels for her. And in order to to buy her out of slavery, it would have normally taken 30 shekels. So imagine the slaveholder, the person that held her debt, didn't even see her as being worth the full price of a slave. He only saw her as being worth half of what a slave was worth. That's how low she had gotten. So if you think about how God is using Hosea's marriage and Gomer and their children to describe the people of Israel, he's saying that they had gotten lower than low. They were acting lower than a slave. Like I said, by worshiping the wooden idols, by living with the pagans in the land, doing everything that the pagans were doing, knowing good and well that they were being totally disrespectful and disobedient to their God. And here, Hosea 4, 1 to 3, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Therefore, the land will mourn and everyone who dwells there will waste away. God was done. And just think about it. Hosea, married to Goma, he's living in this, he's living in this place where all this is taking place. He's living in the northern kingdom where all this is happening. Now he's the prophet. So if he's the prophet, people are expecting him to bring a word from God. So he's the person that they're looking to to hear something. And The same way he's the person that they're looking to to hear something, they're also the person that they're looking at and not paying any attention to. Because if they were really listening to what he was saying, they wouldn't have continued in the manner that they continued him. So just imagine, he's that person that's in the forefront that everyone knows God speaks through the prophets. Because God always spoke through the prophets in those days. Whenever you wanted to, whenever they wanted to hear a word from the Lord, it always came from the prophets. So here we have Hosea speaking the words of God, and everybody's looking at his life. They're looking at the fact that his wife is a prostitute. They're looking at the fact that she's always running off with other men. You might have even had people men in the town that were with her, but they're still looking at Hosea, listening to what he's saying. So you know he was a mockery. You know people probably were whispering about him behind his back. I mean, you know how we are today. We're no different 
from when the way they were before. If we gossip and blow up people's lives from one little story that we've heard, you don't think they were gossiping and blowing up people's lives back then as well? And then the fact that he's a prophet and look at his wife and look at his kids and what look at what he named them. Oh, my goodness. What is going on with the prophet? Not looking at he's a prophet and he's with a prostitute. Why would God put the prophet with a prostitute? Nobody's thinking along that line. Nobody's thinking that. All they're thinking is, oh, we're here. We're eating our raisin cakes. We're living it up with the pagans because they're partying in the temple. They get to have sex because their God loves people that have sex on the altar. So we're going to do what they do because that's what we want to do anyway. Right? Think about it. How many people would rather be promiscuous than to be chaste? I'm just saying. And I'm not saying everybody is out there fooling around. But even if Paul said he'd rather you marry than burn, that goes to tell you, and we all know, and I've talked about this before, sex is a natural feeling that was given to us from God. It's not something we have to learn. That's not something that has to be taught to you. When you get of a certain age, somebody doesn't teach you, oh, okay, now it's time for you to feel like this. No, you feel like that automatically. Your body automatically starts feeling like that at a certain age, which we call adolescence. Automatically. So if that's an automatic action that God had already placed within us, so it's something that in our mind we know that, oh, we're not supposed to be running around with Tom, Dick, and Harry because that's not what God wants us to do. But yet, okay, our God doesn't want us to do that, but their God allows them to do that. How many of you think that the ones that want to just run around and frolic anyway aren't going to turn to the God that allows them to do it? So just imagine you have Hosea, with his wife, Gomer, she's a prostitute. Jose is constantly running after her, bringing her back home. They have these kids with these depressing names. Nobody's looking at the fact of, well, if Jose is telling us this, maybe this is what God is trying to tell us. Listen, but they're so caught up in their own self-satisfaction, so caught up in, I want to live for me, that they miss the whole point of what God was trying to tell them. They miss the whole point. So as the chapter continues in this pattern, God showing them their wicked ways, And then Hosea constantly showing them how much God loves them because everything that Gomer was doing was just a little picture of what the whole northern kingdom was doing. But they weren't looking at it like that. They were looking at it like, oh, poor Hosea. He's with Gomer, the prostitute. Not looking at it as, oh, my gosh, all of us are here acting like prostitutes. 
God told them that all the sacrifices that they offered meant nothing to him. And what he demanded was their obedience. And it's just like what God is saying to us today. God is looking for us to be devoted to him. It matters not how much we read our word, sing songs of praise, refrain, give up things during Lent. Not that those things don't matter, but they don't matter if you're not doing what God wants you to do. It's all for show as far as he's concerned. In God's eyes, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say? Here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like.
life in the way you should go. Heaven wants me So this world has lost its grip on me
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. But in today's Op-Ed, we're going to continue talking about Hosea. Because this, this book, and I'd read this book a lot. I'm not saying a lot because I love it. It's my favorite book. But it's just, you know, when you you kind of make, what do we call like cliff notes. When you read a book, you know, remember the cliff notes back in the day? I don't know if they even still print those up. I remember when I was in school and we would have to read a book, like all quiet on the Western front. Who wants to read that in like seventh grade? Who wants to read all quiet on the Western front? But we had to read it. So a lot of times we would, as soon as they would give us our book assignments, everyone would go to the local candy store. Because back then, our local candy stores, they weren't like bodegas. They were actually, they were actual candy stores. You can walk in there in the front. You had all the candies on the, you know, on the counter, in the glass. You could see all the candy. You could pick out what you wanted, the penny candy, whatever. And then in the back of the store, they had comic books and stuff. They had comic books on the wall that you can buy. Uh, they had magazines. They had newspapers. You know, they had chips and soda and stuff like that. So when you walked in there, and then you could always get your school supplies in there. Like if you left your house and you, you know, you didn't buy it. You know, you didn't come with your pen or your pencil. You knew you were going to take a test that day. And you never, you ran into the, the candy store and you, you know, you bought a pencil for a nickel, you know, and it was like, okay, I got my pencil. I got my pen. If you needed a notebook, cause you were like, oh, I ran out of paper. You could buy loose leaf paper in there. You could just buy any, everything pertaining to like school and entertainment for, you know, young adults. You can get that in the candy store. So I remember when we used to have to read books and you'd get your reading list of what we were, the teacher would give it to you in English class. Well, this is the books that's on, you know, for the curriculum for this is what we're going to read. And you would look at the list of the books and you're like, I don't know if I want to read that whole entire book. So let me go to the candy store and get the cliff notes just in case I end up doing something else and don't exactly read the chapter. But the thing about the cliff notes, the cliff notes only give you a summary of what those chapters were. And some of the cliff notes didn't do chapter by chapter. It wasn't giving you chapter by chapter of the book. It was only giving you the summary of maybe a couple of chapters. It was taking the most important parts of that chapter and it was giving you the understanding of what that chapter was about. But of course, the teacher knew that the candy store had the cliff notes. So whenever she would design a quiz or a test, it had to do with the little intricate parts of the chapter that you should have read. Like they sat down for tea and had Colonel so-and-so wanted three lumps of sugar in his tea instead of two like he normally took. That's what let the enemy know that something else was happening. The Cliff Notes didn't give you all that. The Cliff Notes would say, oh, yes, and General so-and-so sat down with this one and they talked about the strategies of and go on to something else because that was just a little, they were just letting you know that the two got together. But in the actual chapter, there might have been 10 pages talking about how those two got together and what they discussed and what happened. Because you know how writers, they want to paint a picture with their words of what's going on. So they're going to say, he took three, 
if they normally throughout the book kept talking about he only took two lumps of sugar in his tea and now he's taking three, yes, that's a significant change. So the teacher would always point that out. So that's how she'd always know who got the cliff notes and who actually read the book. But I say all that, I digress. Talking about Hosea, when I think about the books in the Bible, when you think about them, you always know the highlight of the book. So the highlight of Hosea for me was always, oh, yeah, the prophet who had to marry the prostitute. But it's not the book of just the prophet who had to marry the prostitute. When you really go into it, and when I reread the book again, because I wanted to talk about it, there were certain chapters of the book that was jumping out at me, and I was like, oh, I didn't remember that God had said that to them, or oh my gosh, I didn't remember that God was feeling this way. Because he really, if you read the book, you will see the language of what God is telling these people in the northern country. And he was telling it for all of them, the whole of Israel, not just the north, but the south as well. But it was the north that was the really cutting up out of control. And he was telling them what was going to happen to them if they did not change their ways. And of course, if you read on going through the other books of the Bible, you see that the northern country was taken over by Assyria and the southern country was taken over by Babylon. So everything that the Lord was warning them about, they ultimately fell into anyway. But when you read the story and you think about Hosea and his wife, Gomer, and you just look at their life and everything that was playing out in their life is what God wanted to play out in the lives of the Israelites. It's fascinating when you read it because the things that he's saying to them, he's really letting them have it in the book. He's telling them how they are and what he's going to do. And he's not believing anything that they say, because even in chapter six, when Hosea is saying, talking about, come, let us return to the Lord. You know, he's asking them, you know, for, for he has torn, but he will heal us. So he's like, He's, he's trying to plead with the people like he was pleading with his wife. Please don't leave. Stay here. I'm going to take care of you. I love you. Stay here. Be with me. I will be only for you. I will take no one else but you. This is what Hosea was telling Gomer. This is what the Lord was saying to the Israelites. You are my people. I love you no matter what. I'm always going to be here for you. Why are you keep turning away? And she just was like not hearing him. I'm sure as he was talking to her, she was in the mirror putting on her lipstick, spraying on her perfume, fixing her hair because she was going out. She did not want to be with Hosea. She wanted to be with others. And that's the way the people of the Israelites were acting. That's the way the people of Israel were acting in the northern kingdom. They didn't want to just stay with God. They wanted to go with other gods. 
They wanted to frolic and hang out and do whatever they wanted to do, when they wanted to do it, how they wanted to do it. They wanted to just cut up or turn up, like people say. And God just kept pleading with them. So throughout the chapters, you see where God is telling them to not do it. Hosea is pleading with them not to do it. And they're just not listening. And God's just telling them they're all adulterers. They're like an oven heated by a baker. You know, it's just like he just, he's telling them all these things. He, and even when Jose is asking them, you know, come back to the Lord, you know, just turn back to him. God is like, what you're doing, and this is what I say when he's talking about the sacrifices and the praises. He's like, it's like the mist, it's, the, it's like the mist in the morning. It's like a vapor. It's there for a minute, but then it evaporates. It's like, it, that's just how fleeting God knew that what they were doing for him didn't matter. Like when you think about mist in the morning and then when the sun comes out, it's dried up. That's what he was saying, that their sacrifices and their, um, their sacrifices and their, their praising him and, and, you know, just trying to, trying to act as though they're doing right. And he was looking at them like, Please, I see what you are. I know what you are. I know what you're doing. So throughout the book, it's, it's an interesting book if you don't, if you haven't really sat down and read it. And what makes it interesting is because let's go back to chapter three and read verses one to three again. The Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery. Just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I brought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. So when you think about those verses, right? When you think about those scriptures, can you recall in another place in the Bible when 30 shekels were used to purchase the information concerning a certain person? Judas. Judas sold the whereabouts of Jesus for 30 shekels. And it was that payment to Judas that put into motion all the love that God had towards us. So once again, here we have God was redeeming us from ourselves. As Hosea was redeeming Gomer from herself when he paid the money for her being a slave. Hosea's heart was broken every time Gomer walked away from him in the family. Just as God's heart is broken every time we walk away from him. We are just as adulterous as Gomer was to Hosea. Replacing our covenant of marriage, because remember, we're the bride of Christ. 
we replace our covenant of marriage to the Lord with other people, with places, and things. But just like Hosea, the Lord was faithful to look for us and pay the price to redeem us. So I say, let us take this time in the four weeks before Easter Sunday to reconcile with God. Yes, we're still in the season of Lent for those of you who, you know, practice Lent. But for those of you who don't, let's take the time to get our hearts right, to get our minds right, so that we could be in alignment once again as he put for us to be in alignment with him. And remember that obedience is always better than sacrifice. That ends up ed. We have our word of the month, subterfuge. And you know, I always say when he gives us a word, and I probably said it last week, when he gives me a word, I'm always like, why, why that word? Or what does that word have to do with whatever is happening? Because when he gives me the word, it's just the word. And I never see how it's fully playing out until it fully starts to play out, right? And we know that subterfuge means to gain things deceitfully, right? To get them by disguising, right? Let me give you the exact meaning of the word. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to put my spin on what the word is. Tell you what Miriam said the word is. Deceit used in order to achieve one's goal. So if we think about just Hosea, when we were talking about Gomer and how the people were trying to deceive God, Right? Or when we think about things going on in the news, how people are doing things to deceive in order to get what they want. And if you just think about people today, just in your everyday encounters with people, how they'll tell you something just so that they can get what they want. Not that it's necessarily true. Not that they necessarily mean it. But nonetheless, they say it to get what they want. So for this month, subterfuge is a good word for us because with everything happening in the news, with everything going on just in the world, and how Hosea is so fitting for this time right now, God trying to chase us down, or more likely not even trying to chase us down, because that's he's not chasing us down. That was a that was I shouldn't have used that phrase. He's not chasing us down. What he's doing is he's showing us ourself. God is truly showing us ourself, and that goes totally back with the whole alignment when we started from the beginning of the year. He's showing us who we are. So he's telling us also 
you're either going to get it together or this is going to be your this is going to be your end result like he told the kingdom of the northern kingdom Israel and the southern kingdom Judah if you don't get it together and i see what you're doing i see everything that's happening i see how you're carrying on if you don't get it together this is going to be your result and that's what god's telling us today I love you to death. I love all of you. That's why I gave my son for you. I love you all. But keep carrying on the way you're carrying on, and that's going to be your end result. And it's that simple. That's all he's saying. So I want us to keep that in mind. Our promise for the week, Deuteronomy 7 and 9. Therefore, Know that the Lord, your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. With that, I say, everyone, have a lovely Sunday. I hope you woke up just as bright-eyed as I did, although they snatched an hour from me. I'm okay. I'm okay today. And I hope that you all are just as okay. It's a bright, sunny day. But this is deceiving as well because here in the Northeast, we're expecting some nasty, nasty weather. Do you see the weather that's happening out there in California? Those poor people. If it's not rain, it's snow. If it's not fire, it's mudslide. They cannot seem to catch a break. And I would always think like back years ago, we would always, we always used to think, we would always think that California, oh, they're going to have the worst earthquake and they're just going to fall off from the United States. That's what people used to say. It was going to be earthquakes that destroyed California, but I'm not so sure. With all the weather changes that's going on over there, the mud, the fire, the snow, the rain, it's more, it's more acts of nature, not just the earthquake that we were always worried about with them because it was always so sunny and beautiful and everybody wanted to be in California. The only thing that people were worried about was the earthquaking under their feet. But now... It's the earthquaking under their feet, and they haven't had any of those in a while. I, I pray they don't, because with all this other stuff going on, that's the last thing they need is for the earth to start quaking. But they're really getting it bad, and the storms that are coming in on them, of course, it moves across the country, and it makes its way over to us. And one of those storms that they had earlier is now making its way over to us for tomorrow and Tuesday. So they're talking about heavy rains or possible snow. I don't know how much the city is going to get, but north of the city, of course, always gets hit with snow. And one thing I must say, we can't really complain about it because we haven't really had a lot of snow up here in the Northeast. And we did need the snow because, of course, whatever you get for the winter determines how the summer is going to be. So it's just a lot of up and down, up and down. But whatever you get into today, enjoy because the weather is beautiful and it is nice. 
And if you want to find out more about Radio Free Brooklyn, you could go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Check out our page. There's a lot of different shows that are on the radio that you could you might find interesting. There's a lot of music shows. There's other talk shows. And if you want to subscribe to the monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming Radio Free Brooklyn events, you can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. So I've talked enough. My time is growing short. And I want to say everybody have a wonderful Sunday. Have a blessed week. And I will speak to you all again, God willing. Peace. You make all things beautiful, beautiful for me. You make all things beautiful, beautiful for me. You make all things beautiful, beautiful for me. You all things beautiful, beautiful for me. So I am not moved by what I see. He's seen it all. He's gone before me. I am not By what I feel He knows it all He's gone before me